And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Seven fifty-five is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty is on the air now. Welcome to Seven Fifty-Five is Real, presented by Tops. Check out Tops Project Seventy, celebrating seventy years of Tops baseball cards. We missed you. I'm uh, with my co-host Eric O'Flaherty, former Braves reliever. Eric, what's happening, man? Not much. We got a very special guest today, a former teammate of yours. Kelly Johnson's with us. Back again. It's been a while. Kelly, what's going on, man? Former Braves. Legendary, many times former Brave. <laughs> <laughs> Legendary transaction history. Uh, yeah, good, man. Doing good. Just hanging out in Atlanta with the fam. So... So Kelly, with the trade deadline coming up not too far away, do you yeah. still do you still PTSD? Of, I was wondering if yeah. you still look at the phone when it rings. Yeah. No, yeah, shoot, I leave it on every time. I have the ringer on. Uh, I missed I missed one trade with my phone off because I was taking a nap with you know whichever kid was that baby at that time, and I woke, I woke up to my wife screaming. Turn on your phone. Who's got traded? Like, what? I'm on the DL. Get out of here. And I'm sucking. Who wants me? <laughs> well, there's a pretty good chance the trade was either to or from the Braves, right? Which one well, was that, it? That, that one was actually from the Yankees to the Red Sox. And we were in Boston. Oh, wow. So I just wow. changed clubhouses. So Wow. Yeah. Was that the yeah, only that, time you ever did that? Just change clubhouses? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Changed clubhouses and, and traded for one of my good friends, Stephen Drew. He, we just... Swap jerseys. We almost swapped. We almost swapped like rental houses. Gear. And That's great. Everything. Yeah. Just families. Talk. Families. Like that one trade that, that happened years ago, where the oh, two relief yeah. pitchers traded families. Uh, <laughs> actually, no. that actually yeah. happened. I'm not making no. that up. I know. I know. I know. I've heard that. Yeah. Shoot. I don't think that could happen today. That would be frowned upon today. <laughs> no, probably not. Hey. Uh, so that was right. That was that was that time where you played for every AL East team in like a five or six year span, right? Two year, two year span, twenty four month. All all every team in the AL East, all five. right? All five. That's amazing. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I might I might be uh, I'll be I might be infamous just on trivia history. Like in fifty years, they're going to say who was the first to be traded, you know, playing all uh-huh. AL East, you know, and then you know who was. Who's the last person to get traded between the Yankees and the Red Sox? You know, that never happens. I think uh-huh. the last one was back in like 1992 or something up until that point. You know, they don't trade with each other. No, then the whole Brave, Braves, Mets, Braves, Mets. You know, there was like a dude from the Angels that did that uh, a couple times in a row. So, yeah, man, it's uh, it's kind of funny. But that that's what You're it right. is. Quite a few guys have gone free agency from the Yankees to the Red Sox or back. But you're right. Nobody trade. They don't trade with each other. No. Nope. They both sucked that year. So we were, uh, it didn't matter. It was just, uh, let's try this and see what happens. <laughs> how many, how many NL East teams did you play for? Uh, Braves and Mets. Oh, yeah. that was it. No, F- Frenchie almost got them all. Yep. 
Yeah. He almost got them all. He and didn't go to DC, right? Right. Right. That's right. He played. That's right. He played for everybody else. There's somebody yep. else too. I forget. Yeah, I'm sure. There's. It's. It's happening more and more, but. I think it happens a lot, you know, if you if you do well in a certain division, even when your numbers are bad. How many, know, did Prado, how many did Prado played for? He played for the Yankees, Marlins, and Braves, right? Didn't he go to the Yankees? Prado didn't go to D.C. He didn't go to – Didn't go to D.C. Yeah, or the, Philly. Or, or the Philly. Mets or Philly. Yeah. Just no, he played he for, was, Yeah, you're right. He played for the Yankees. Yankees. Yankees, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm lost yeah. my mind there for a minute. Well, Well, let me ask you, Kelly – from afar, from outside looking in, as an interested uh, former Brave, many t- how many times did you play for the Brave, by the way? Three or four? Three different three, states. Three, three. And a guy who played for the Mets. To, and, and I wanted to ask uh, you, did, I, I, I should have looked this up, but I didn't. Did you play with DeGrom or was he right after you? Yeah. Oh, and I played with him. Yeah. His okay. actually, um, I was with the Yankees on his debut, against him in his debut. So when I got to see him in his first game was Mets versus Yankees, and I was in the ah, visiting dugout. And he then played, that was his debut, huh? Yeah, Did you face him that day. Yeah, uh, and I remember, and I actually remember because he came out with the long hair, you know, and the, yeah. he's all skinny, and we're just and usually, oh, you know how it is. Like guys make debuts, you've kind of heard about them, like you know the yeah. name, or you know, there's a little hype. Like there was nothing. I just him, showed no. there was nothing. There was nothing. So when that happens as a hitter. You're basically thinking that they just had to dip down and they needed an arm and that was just yeah. – it was like this that guy guy's turned to pitch. Yeah. And, some, and then they pitch and they go right back down and you never see him again. And it, happened, you know, it used to happen all the time. So in a way, you're kind of thinking like, okay, this we, guy got some, sucks. we got some knocks coming. <laughs> yeah. And and I got – I don't think I started, but I got two ABs on him. And I remember coming in, I struck out and being like, what, what the <laughs> hell is this? Like that, that fastball is on you, you know? And – uh you know, and of course, you got to see if they can keep keep doing it, stay healthy, and you know. Then we got to play the next year with them and and watch it every day. And I don't, I, I don't told- know if there's no one better. I've never, I've never stood in the box and been more. Not you know, like Halliday's movement was was intimidating because you didn't know if it was going in or away, sinking or, or riding up and in, like cutting. And uh, he made me look pretty stupid a couple times personally, along with everybody, a lot of other people. But uh, just from like a consistently dominant, I don't, I've never seen anybody be like like Jake, like even from back then. But now, obviously, the numbers just back it up. But even back then, it was just consistent. Never got rocked ever. No. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's changed the discussion of from most of us on who's the best pitcher of our generation. You know, the question is. He was an old rookie, right? So you got to wonder, yeah. you know, how long does he go? But the fact that he's now in his 30s throwing 100. Getting 100. better. Getting better. I mean, it's amazing. And we're going to end up looking at his stats, and he's going to be the guy that changes the discussion because his stats are going to be the traditional stats. The wins and losses and all that are going to be so True. out of kilter with the other great pitchers. True. But the first guy that you could look at and say that about, and at the time, I remember as a kid, you look at Nolan Ryan and go, "Yeah, but he's like ten and twelve, you know." And as a kid, that 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 was important. And now you'd look, if Nolan Ryan came along now, he'd be kind of Jacob Degrom like, and that he was piling up these ridiculous strikeout totals for really bad teams. So he didn't get his due, I don't think, from the from the general populace when he was playing. He played for yeah. a lot of bad teams. 
But now he would. I mean, Nolan Ryan, people would even more appreciate. In retrospect, they have appreciated yeah. how great he was. But Jacob deGrom is being appreciated while he's doing it, I think, because people understand now how much his wins well, and losses like, are dependent it, upon teams. And isn't it funny, upon. though? The dude's got back-to-back Cy Youngs. And yeah. now we're in, you know, that was, it's, this is like the the fourth yeah. year now. And now we're getting, he's getting buzz. Like, he's in yeah. New York with two Cy Youngs. Yep. And no one even now we're now we're doing profile pieces on this guy. If he'd have pitched for the Yankees instead of the Mets, it'd have been totally different. Yeah, he's taken it to a a whole new level this year, though. I mean, I think he was that same guy, but this year it's like what he's doing is it's it's even different than what he was doing in the past. Well, Eric, you played for the first guy like this who won the Cy Young with a losing record out in Seattle. I played for him. No, with him. Oh, Felix. played with him. Yeah, that's yeah, who was, I was thinking of when when Kelly was saying that ten and twelve and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, Felix, he was the same way though. Like he was just different coming up. He was throwing ninety seven with a with a hammer curveball before everybody was throwing ninety seven. But I, he popped into my head too, where I was like, "That's another guy that if he'd been in a different place, yep. and getting those wins or gotten a pitch in the postseason, you know, because in Seattle in general, you're not getting a lot of media hype and and attention." But if he had his career with the Yankees or somebody else, he's people Hall of look Famer. at Felix. Yeah. Because he's borderline now. I don't think he'll – if he gets in, it'll take years. But with yeah. the Yankees, I think he goes in pretty quick. He'd easily have another 50-60 wins. Oh, yeah. He, you know, the teams that don't rebuild. And then he's first you know. ballot if he has another 50 wins. Yeah. He's first ballot. Yeah. He was in the big leagues at 19. Yeah. That's pretty see, that's, amazing. See, that's the difference there, you know. He was there – him and Kershaw, like 19-20 – DeGrom was like 26. Isn't that crazy? That's like a whole career. That's like a whole (laughs) career, basically. I mean, Koufax wasn't even – was great for like that period right there. Five or six years, really. I mean, where he was out of the world. Well, shoot, he was, you know, a college shortstop that pitched. And then he got got put in pro ball. And and, um, I just don't think he – he didn't dominate early. So it kind of – they took his time. They took their time. And then he got the injury. He had like a – I think he had Tommy John or something. Yeah, I think so. Some kind of injury that took up a couple of years. So they just that's that's pretty much it. But you know, he's the only guy. He he keeps having these little nagging things, and with other pitchers, when they have one of these nagging things, we're like, uh oh, Tommy John. He keeps having these little nagging things, and he's back like the next starter. He misses maybe two days. He pushes back, but he keeps yeah. it, it. Never slows him down. Like I he's think got he's one really right now. Good. I think he's really good. I was just I, I actually saw that and. I think what he's good at is recognizing like, yeah. when to I, yeah. if I just stop now I'll be all right. Right, right. That's some guys, thing. you know, that's what O probably knows, but you know, obviously he knows better than both of us. Like he, I never learned. What that does that lesson. even feel like, and how do you even <laughs> tell yourself? Because what do you got? What happens if you you do that and you're you're not Jacob Degrom? Then they look at you like you're always hurt. You're always hurt, and you need to start powering through this because none of these are leading to any major injury. So you must be soft or something, you know, something yeah. like that. But you know, and for Jake, it's more like, oh, you're he's smart. <laughs> yeah, but he's he's already gone five innings, twelve punches when they take him yeah, out of the yeah. game. <laughs> <laughs> when you're the yeah, greatest great pitcher in the game, you can say that, and they'll go, okay, just yeah. Eric. Eric was kind of wrong position, wrong team, wrong uh, wrong time point in time to be saying. I can't go today. <laughs> I know. Well, and it was it was hard for me too because I always pitched better the more I pitched. Yeah. So it like I didn't want time off. Like Moilo. You know? Yeah, same with Moilo. But it's like if you're rolling, 
everything's locked in and your elbow hurts a little bit. I'm not sitting out two or three days. I might get sloppy. You know, I might, I might, you want to, you want to pile up those runs when you can. Yeah. Unfortunately, not great for the long term. No, I didn't know that though at yeah. the time. <laughs> Do you think Mad did that? I haven't asked Mad. Did he how much he paint? Yeah. How much he pitched through? But it his elbow like was did. always bothering him. But he was on that like for him. If you're 2012 Chris Medlin and yep. you're on that tear he's on, yep. Like he's establishing himself as I'm never going back to the minor leagues. Yep. If I have this run, or, or if he says I'm hurt here and he only had four or five starts in that run that were good, yeah. And then he comes back from the DL and he struggles. Like he's got to make the team next year. Yeah. You know, I mean, you when you go on a tear like he did, like he penciled himself in the rotation the next year, you're getting a raise, the whole thing. So, I mean, that's a tough decision for guys. I mean, Med, but, at that, if he had that season that he had then, if he had it now, he might be in a position to get a really big deal, one of those young guys sign long-term and get that security yeah. we've talked about, those young guys leaving some on the table for that yep. long-term security. Because yeah. he never had, he had that huge contract, and he could have got one with another year like he had. Yeah. He was phenomenal Injuries that suck. year. Injuries suck. They do. They just they just change the game, you know, at the wrong time. Timing's everything in that stuff. Oh, and man. getting old, man. I was I was trying to explain to my buddies. I was shooting hoops with a dude that was really good basketball player in high school. And we had barbecue, so we walked over the park by his house and we were shooting hoops and I was like watching him just struggle to move. He couldn't hit shots and I was like, That's what it was like the last two years of my career, man. I was hitting the same button and just getting a different <laughs> result. Like I was firing and doing everything I thought I was doing the same yeah. and it just wouldn't it just it just goes away. Yeah. Kelly Kelly, can a guy like you better appreciate when somebody like uh like Acuna takes the money that he did, you know, and leaves potentially, you know, two hundred million dollars on the table, but he's got a hundred and twenty-five yeah. million dollars guaranteed. Can you see both sides of that? A guy who's been through the injuries like you did? Uh you know, I, I was I was fairly lucky injury wise. Um, but that being said, like, how how does he turn that down? I mean, that's yeah, that's almost impossible. That's that's that kind of money. You know, the ones that are different, I think, are when guys jump on five years, twenty. Anything that, yeah, yeah, anything that that's their arbitration years, right? And though they they go ahead and just lock those down, the team wins all day long. But when the when the team knows they got somebody special and they're willing to kind of pay him about what they could be in arbitration and make it just, Hey, we just, you're our guy. Yeah. So that, I feel like that's what Acuna got. He just, right. He was the first one to domino to fall and all these other guys just reaping benefits from that deal. I mean, right. If he would have been the second guy, he would have been, we're talking 200 million. Yeah. Maybe the third guy you're talking 300 right. million like Tatis, you know, and Tatis's uh, contract, if you look at it close, the real difference comes in the last years of Tatis's contract because this is what fourteen years or something like that, and Acuna's is eight with two option years, and the real disparity won't happen until the final years of that deal. So yeah. if if Acuna were, were fortunate enough to stay healthy and be great still, he can make yeah. that up at the end. But if he falls off, he's not going to. But it's not yeah. till the end. Till the That's end. That's the other thing you you think about though. It's not just health and injuries. It's I was never confident enough to think I'm just going to keep dominating the big leagues. You, know, you always think like, what if I fall on my face? What if I start yeah. having bad seasons? You know, and, and that happens with a lot of guys too. You see guys come up, look at Jay Hayes first year. You know, if he would have, yeah. if he would have signed something based on that, I mean, he wound up getting paid anyway, but you think you're a player that, that, you know, you, you're going to put up these numbers forever and guys stop performing, you know, that's, that's other risk. And 
I mean, for him, it's like he's still driving a Lamborghini. <laughs> you know, I mean, if he if he doesn't get an extra hundred, I don't know that you'd ever feel that. It's it's like, are you flying private? Or are you flying normal? You know? Yeah, he's it, he's good. <laughs> he's good. He he's ended straight. up he ended up getting lucky. Oh, not getting lucky, but he had that year with the Cardinals where his defense was off the charts, and at, it was talk about timing. It was at that time where people were paying on war and defense, and looked like this guy's one of the greatest defenders ever, and all that. Now the Cubs have regretted it. I mean, they won a world series with him and he helped out, but he hasn't lived up to that contract, obviously, but he got paid. Yeah. He turned down what Freddie got and, and ended up getting paid anyway. So it's weird yeah. though. Like with J.A., you want him on your team, you know, yeah. like the, the way he plays. And I don't know if his defense is, is still as good as it was when I played with him, but he did something in the field every day and he'd make a play look so easy. It wouldn't go appreciated. Yeah. But just being a gamer and, and having him on your team and being in the clubhouse with him, I was always like, you know, he's just a winner. And so yeah. they won a World Series with the contract. I always look at it like if you get a World Series out of one True. of those deals, it's it's a good contract. And whether he contributed a whole lot on the field, they all credit him with that that, that team speech. meeting that he called. So That speech alone is uh, worth $100 million to Chicago. You know, And outside looking in, you're like, that's overrated, but that's not what the players mm-hmm. say. Uh, that's the no. What's what's not a what's a underrated is the 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 rain delay being even an issue. Like, there's no way that that, that should even yeah. happen. You know, yeah. 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 Right. Cubs fans should be less about the speech and more about like the grounds crew or whoever made <laughs> yeah. that decision. Yeah, you're right. Let's be honest. I mean, that's Stop that, that, that pretty momentum. much changed the whole. Oh, it changed it everything. It did. But whatever. History is history. I would say Acuna, <laughs> man. You know, you think about some of this. These guys making these deals, and you know, we've played with the guys where it's kind of about money. And once they get the money, the yeah. the work ethic and the drive changes. And right. so the guys that, that that are just different, they're not even about the money. Like the mm-hmm. money comes and they they're just like, I'm playing baseball and they've got goals that are greater than that. And that's you know, Acuna. is that guy. If that he is. is that guy, he is. then he's already thinking like he's not even thinking next contract. He's just I'm thinking like legacy. I'm thinking how long hey. I'm gonna play till I'm forty something. And my numbers are going to be huge. And, you know, those guys don't even think about the money. That's those how he strikes are- me and everything that I've heard and everybody I've talked to says that about him, that he wants to be the greatest player, that he doesn't – he got the contract, fine. He hasn't said one word about it since. He didn't tell anybody, even off the record, his friends, after Tatis's contract, you know, oh, shit, what did I do? And instead he goes and works out in Venezuela in the offseason, posts these – Post these videos of him working out. And you talk about, the, we were talking earlier about the rocky fields and everything. That's what he goes back home to in the little yeah. town he lives in. It's not in Caracas. It's in a little town up in the mountains. And he worked his ass off on these dinky fields. Dust is flying up everywhere. He's out yeah. there working out. He's doing old school drills. And he was busting his ass all off season. There was nothing glamorous about it. He wasn't working no. out with a bunch of other big leaguers in a nice posh place. He was back home with his family. And he came back to camp this year in far better shape than I. He was always in good shape, but he had lost about 10 pounds, just straight in the gut and ripped. And the speed was even, you know, it was, it was 75 probably last year. It's 80 now. Yeah. You get the feeling that some of these guys like that, they would play for free and they're just laughing when people pay them. They're just like, I would do this for nothing. And you're paying me. All right, cool. You look at like Bartolo, like he was, He's like, still playing on. He's like 52, and he's out on those same fields throwing, you know, yeah. pitching against like 18 year olds. Exactly. Just because he's just like him striking out a, 
You see yeah. that video of him striking out like a 10-year-old, just front yeah. door seeking a 10-year-old? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's just like, let me just play baseball, and if you if you pay me, great. If not, whatever. I'll go play somewhere else. Yeah. That's what those guys do, so that's good to hear. I mean, that's that's I think that's the difference in like the guys that had the Hall of Fame careers. Eric, let's hear from today's sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The videos were similar to what you're talking about with Bartolo back home in the little towns, not like living oh, in Beverly. No. Hold on. Oh, what? my kids. <laughs> I thought, we, I thought one like of us froze up. Uh, we can hear you. You're on. I know. Well, not, my And my headphones connected to my, my iPad that my kids just jumped on. I'm listening to like Alvin and the Chipmunks. <laughs> well, we what, can hear you. So what is that? I mean, come on. <laughs> Rhett, let everybody know how many kids you got kelly i think everybody's probably lost count yeah four kids and and, and we're, we're in the summer and so these guys are all up in my business <laughs> outside kelly's got four kids three boys they're all like uh all at baseball age various yeah, gr- baseball ages that's life i mean we were I was, that's what we're saying. I was every weekend right now, it's, uh, it's, it's minimum 10 games a weekend sitting there watching. I mean, I got the setup, dude. I look like I'm tailgating for, you know, Texas, Oklahoma. I got the, tents, I got the fans, I got coolers. Like, has has East Cobb recruited you yet to coach? Are you a hitting coach with anybody? Uh, you're, no, just a, I, you're just a parent fan. I coach, uh, yeah, because I coached my middle one two years, last two years. So he was in like coach pitch, so I'm like out there pitching, yeah, just trying to hit their barrels, and uh, and I couldn't watch my other kids, so I would I would miss so many games, and you know, with that many yeah. games, like I want to be able to bounce around, and so it, I'm I love coaching. Like it's fun to go out there, especially when they're pitching. Yeah, you know, like you because you're managing a game, kind of, even though it's like kids, it's still kind of like some stuff you got to think about that, that part of it's like, you just kind of miss. So I, I wish I was doing that, but. Hey, which, are, which are the, anybody, any other players have, I know there's some have kids playing with your oh, kids now. A lot hey, of them, right. You would laugh. You would, you would just, <laughs> I could give you a list of guys that I've seen yeah. at the ballpark. Um, actually just the, just recently, Brian Moeller, the scout, he's a scout for the Red Sox. His kids playing. He's 16 uh-huh. or 15. Um, uh, a guy umpiring walks up to me and he goes, he, huge dude. He's like, you look really familiar. And I'm just thinking, okay, you know, Braves guy, whatever. He's like, Kelly Johnson. He goes, I'm Alva Thompson. And Alva used to be a Braves minor league guy back in the lower levels. When I was like 19, he played with me in Macon. And the dude would just back up catcher and hit tanks. He'd either hit a tank or strike out. 
<laughs> yeah. He's umpiring my kids' games now. <laughs> so you got him. I mean, you got John Ennis. Remember John Ennis? Yeah, yeah. He was that guy. He was that the Braves needed an arm, and he got called up from double-A through five innings, never got to the big leagues again. John Ennis. I mean, Josh Burris, former first-rounder, the Braves. Yeah, yeah. Did you see BMAC the out there? Who? BMAC. Uh, not kids yet. Is his, kid, his kid's younger, but I, uh, DeRosa, see him all the time. We talk all the time and see him out there. DeRosa's kid up there yet? He's playing that. Uh, level? Yeah, yeah, yeah. His his kid plays on a travel team right he, by where I'm. My kid, where we are. Did Dero so, coach, or he can't do that? Dur- well, he's gonna coach job. next year, uh, just the game. So he's gonna like you know, Friday he flies home, ah, and then on the yeah. weekend he's gonna coach just games. That's well, that's the rumor, but yeah, yeah. See, we broke some. We broke some news here. Yeah, you did. You did. So Dero's my bad. D- D- Dero's planning to stay with MLB Network then next year. Not going to take a managing job with a. He's going to manage, but it's going to be a Geese Cobb League. <laughs> It'll be yeah. It's going to be twelve view baseball. Just, uh, remember uh, Contreras, the pitcher from Cuba. Yeah, yeah. His his kid. He's out all the time. Uh, dude, it's crazy. You'll see people, and you're yeah. just like Todd Green. As Can like the team in the in the nation here, his his team just whooped up on my kid's team the other day. Uh, it's can you it's tell funny. when you see a big leaguer's kid out there? Or are they just like everybody no. else? No, I have Contreras's kid supposedly really good, and um, but everyone else so far is all kind of like middle. Same. Yeah, they're middle. They're, they you know what it is? They all look kind of a little bit like their age versus like some of these kids look right. like they're thirteen or fourteen, and so most of these kids like Todd Green's kid. My kid, they got a little. They're still a little, little baby fat on them. They look like a. They look like a little boy. Like they don't look like some, you know, yeah. teenager. Were you uh, when you, you were playing growing up? Were you heads and shoulders above all the other kids, or just like them? Well, so we didn't have travel. Remember, we, we didn't do the travel thing. wasn't exi- didn't exist. So you're just playing yeah. against your friends from school, man. So yeah, like from like six till twelve is you just you're killing it. You know, like you're playing against buddies and you're going to school bragging. You're like you, you know, I struck you out or. Hit a, yeah. hit a, you know, like that was, that was baseball. That was it. That was what it was all about, you know? But then once travel started like 12, 13, I would say I would have big moments and then kind of, and, and, you know, there was some kids that were always really good. Never did anything after that, you know, and I, you know, it wasn't, I just had good timing. Like I, I think I took off and started dominating like right before my June, my senior year of high school. So, I mean, you know, you had that twelve-year-old kid with a huge curveball, but he never got any better than that. Kyle, we, baby. A, we, <laughs> that, we were just we were talking about that before we started, Dave. How it's like you know, I wasn't any; I was just a normal kid all the way up through like till my junior year in high school. And the the amount of just the the way parents weigh this stuff, like if you have the yeah. best ten-year-old or eleven-year-old, yeah. they think their kid's going to the big leagues. Yeah. <laughs> Just the pressure that they wind up putting on their kids right. and, and how competitive parents are. It's like Kelly's just preparing me for, you know, what to what to be ready for with my own son. He said that, you know, there'll be a target on his back and everybody will kind of want to see how yeah. they stack up to your son and, and things yeah. like that. And I'm like, man, yeah, I'm not looking that. forward to that because I never had any of that growing up. We just played. Um, on, the, on, on your end, what it's going to be for – because for me, it's like if my kids aren't good hitters, they're yeah. like – then if I if I bring anything to a practice and I'm like, you know, I'm going to work with hitters just to help out. Part of it is almost like, well, what do you know? Your kid's your kid's not that good. Yeah, <laughs> he's, not hit, he's not hitting. So, like, if your kid's not pitching well, well what do you know? Your, kid, your own kid doesn't even pitch well. You know, what do you know? He's, he's seven. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it is. That's that's how they look at it. Like they 
baseball is that one sport where, you know, whatever, whoever they're sitting there, they watch 120 Braves games on TV. Yeah. Every yeah. year, because of that, they know the game. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I watch every. I watch all these games. I know just as much. And you're like, man, everything's very reactive in in youth baseball. The coaches don't prep them. Don't they're not they're not they're not setting up what is going to happen. They just yell at them after it happens, and then that's their coaching. Like so next time, is- you got to do this because you didn't do it. Whereas they could have been like. Hey, you know, let's be here, there. Let's line up this or this guy, whatever it is, you know, a little proactive, a little bit of like foresight because you, because you know the game. So that even goes with, uh, with former players, huh? Some, some who watch the game on TV think that they know more about it than you do (laughs) or as much as you do. Then what do you mean? Watching on TV. They think they know as much about it as you do. And about the, no, no, I had it. I had a guy tell me this one time. I believe it. He said, he said, you could be Chipper Jones or Bobby Cox. And if you come into a youth baseball environment, you don't know nothing. (laughs) This is a different game. This is a different kind of a game, man. There's the rules. You got to know the rules. Umpires are butchering stuff and coaches are making stuff up and the umpires believe them. And, yeah. It's, it's silly, man. It's silly. You see some stuff you wouldn't believe. It's fun, but it's silly. Uh, hey, look real quick here. We got some ads. Uh, Cam, you got some? You want to make some money for us here, real fast? Let's right. roll. Yeah, and I and I just realized I didn't welcome in us with the seven fifty five is real uh, presented by Tops thing. Did I mess that up? I, I can Add read it in that later. I can read that later. We could add it or. All right. All right. So let's uh, real quick. Let's talk. Let's, I, I want to ask you about the Braves, Kelly. Uh, I meant to ask that earlier and we got sidetracked there from an outside looking in watching them this year. I mean, I know they haven't had a season like this in a while where they struggled for a while. Are you like, uh, are you like Eric though? When you say there's still 99 games to play, there's plenty of time for this. I and mean, they're only five games back. I mean, we keep, right. it feels like they're 20 games back, but they're five games back. And, and we saw a Braves team blow a double-digit lead in September before, not that long ago. So we know it can happen, and that's yeah. a, four months to make up five games, basically, or three and a half months. Yeah, no, it's – there's so much time left. And, you know, when I was younger, Teixeira, what came over, and he he said it then, back in, like, 2007, he was like, for, for 100 games, everybody's the same. Mm-hmm. There's always like that one team that's just can't <clears throat> can't win. They suck. They're done. And there's always one team that's just built such a big lead. There's always an anomaly. But he's like the rest, like 98 percent of the season, everybody's playing 500 baseball, yeah. 100 games. It's the last 60 that make or break it, you know. And that 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 feels like it held true for the past, you know, whatever 14, however many years it's been. I think I think there's plenty of time. Um, the division is talented, but they're they're not. It's it's talented, but they're it's kind of the weak one of the weakest divisions. Yeah, nobody's oh, running away with it at all. Tons of talent, you know. So I, the Braves, you know, my 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 thing with them is that they the pitching has always been one of those things that I've looked at. Even when they've been winning these last two years, I felt like they've been getting away with something the last couple of years. Uh-huh. So this this year feels like it's like kind of coming back, even and out, mm-hmm. even and out. You know, but the the offense around the league is down. I've, I've, all these guys I see at these tournaments that are scouts and they they watch all these games and scout all these games. They keep telling me how bad the game is. It's in bad shape just yeah. from an offensive standpoint. 
you know, some pitchers would say even from a pitching standpoint, despite the velocity and stuff being up. So it's it's a weird season, but the coming off that COVID year, you know, it's it's going to feel like a long season for these guys for sure. So it's just a different year, but yeah, Braves, Braves have the talent. It's just they need some people to start being like carrying it. Yeah, yeah. Well, you you've seen enough of Freddie Freeman and played with him. To, to do you do you are you confident that at the end of the year his numbers are going to be pretty close to what they always are? You know, you know what what I'm confident in. I'm I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, at the end of the year the guy's going to be whatever. What's his his bat his career batting average is About probably two eighty five or two ninety. Yeah, I'm not going to sit here and say that he's hitting two twenty and he's going to end at two eighty five. Mm-hmm. He's probably going to finish somewhere in the middle of that. Mm-hmm. What I am confident in saying is that. When Freddie Freeman comes up at some point in a stretch, right? Yeah, a couple months when he comes up to the plate and we need him, he's going to be Freddie Freeman. Yep. So yeah. he might yeah. he might go zero for three for the first three at bats of a game, but he comes up with that fourth at bat and you need him to be Freddie Freeman. I'm confident he's going to be Freddie Freeman. That makes sense. Yeah, and and, and Chipper told him, you know, hey, I hit. 235 one year. Chipper was being nice, trying to make him feel good. Chipper hit 249, I think he was talking about in his worst year, but he also yeah. hit 30 bombs that year. But Chipper was making a point that it was in the middle of a stretch where Chipper otherwise hit 300 every year and, and like three years later won the batting title at 364. So uh, lifetime average, even with this year, it's 292. 292. 381 yeah. OBP, a career slug. He's at 461 right now. And 889 career OPS, he's at 815 right now. Yeah, well, let's let's ask Eric if he's navigating through the lineup. Nope, I don't want any part of Freddie. I don't he care does. if he's hitting 127. Yep. I don't want that at bat. And you know what? Braves <laughs> teammates sitting in the dugout, Freddie Freeman in the lineup versus not in the lineup, Chipper they Jones in the up. lineup versus not in the lineup, game yeah. changer. Doesn't matter. Yeah. So, you know, especially from, like, Eric's perspective of being a pitcher, like – it, when he's there and he's coming up and you, you're thinking ahead a couple hitters and you're yeah. like, Freeman's coming up. Yeah. Yeah, you want to get bad. it done before you get to him, even even if he's struggling. Because you know you know the type of a bat he's going to have. You know what he can do. You know, even watching him this year, I mean, he's he's had some bad luck. He's hitting balls hard still. Oh, yeah. He's still like, like fourth in the league in uh, hard hit balls. Yeah, yeah. which yeah. sucks because you'd rather be like 35th in the league in hard yeah. hit balls and hitting 297. That's what he said. Yeah, but but I mean, you know, as a player and even as an opponent, you you know how to analyze it, you know, apart from the numbers and just say at some just watching. I can say at some point he's those balls are going to start falling in or he's going to start getting some bloopers. He might he caught a couple of those in this in this uh, trip, too. His swing might be locked in right now and he might feel off and start dropping bloops in. You know, I mean. Yeah. The hard thing is it's just it's such a hard season. And if he did this in the middle of the year, got into this little rut, it wouldn't be a big deal. But anytime you start off a year like that, like it's just more emphasis on it and the spotlights on it. And it's yeah. is this your bad year? Are you struggling? But especially when a guy said, like when a guy like Ozuna's out is not doing he's out, well, he's gone now, but when he was struggling and uh Albies was struggling at the time, it was just about everybody except Acuna was. So Freddie's thing yeah. is more magnified. Yeah, they, they're just in this little offensively. It just feels like they're in this little thing where they've got guys get hot that are, and they're kind of spread out. You know, it's like, right. That's Albie, what we were saying. Riley are raking, but uh, you know, Acuna and Freddie won't be. And then Acuna will be. And like, yeah, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, yeah. you can't, we're not seeing what we've seen the last few years where the, the train just, yeah, let's man yeah. up. And they just roll through, <laughs> 
you know, it was a deep lineup and, and guys were feeding off each other. We're not seeing that. We're seeing kind of the typical middle of the road offense where, you know, one guy is hot, one guy's not. And, and that, that, that big moment in the game falls on the guy that's not more times yeah. than not. You're like, yeah. yeah. Well, last year they you know, had six, seven guys going at once for, it was only yeah. a 60 game season and they had six or seven guys going yeah. for the majority of time this year in April, and into May, they had Acuna, and then one other guy would be going at any, any given time. And then Riley got hot, and Acuna yeah. cooled off a little bit. Nazi got hot. But that's been about, about it. They've had maybe three to oh. four. Dansby Swanson got hot. But they've never had more than that. And for about a month and a half, it was basically one guy, then one other guy. So it's only now they're really starting to put together the whole offense. And Freddie is, you know, still just, nah, for him, not not doing oh. much. So, yeah, they, but as they, a fan looking – what do you got? Sorry. Well, you well, you were talking about Freddie Freeman, how how pitchers uh obviously you don't want there's one gonna be one guy you focused on not letting beat you. And Freddie Freeman's gonna be that guy still. Him and Acuna, obviously now. But how much harder do you think? How much more of an advantage is it for Acuna that makes it that much tougher for teams to to zero in on when he's leading off? I think coming up, that's a different state of mind, right? As a pitcher, when that's the guy starting the game, and he's shown it so many times that they throw a first pitch strike and boom, he hits it out. So it brings a whole well, different dynamic run too. to it. Yeah, you can't pitch around. You can't him put him can on. Run. Yeah, you can't yeah. put him on to start the game. No, he's With, well, he's dude, he's a he's a freak and he's special and the, he'd do what he's doing wherever in the lineup. Right. Anywhere yeah. he could hit anywhere. One but through, one through five. One one thing that's great about being able to lead him off is that you don't pitch around a leadoff guy ever. You know, mm-hmm. just it's not going to happen, and especially when you got Freeman behind him. But he's mm-hmm. Freeman, whether he's the spot behind him or two spots behind him, you're not you're not ever going to just give give like not give in and just pitch around to Cunha. You're just right. not, um, unless you're in the playoffs and then you've got the matchup and you've got a guy that you know you feel better about against Freeman versus yeah, this lefty guy. with an Cunha. open base. Yeah, so playoffs, you know, things change. That's the beautiful thing about baseball is playoff baseball is the best, but. Uh, Acuna's he's going to get his all day no matter what no matter what We've that's why I tell Dave all the time when we talk about his leadoff stats I'm like well, you know part of the reason he's hitting so many leadoff homers because he should be in the four hole yes. yeah I mean he's that yeah. powerful of a hitter but he just for whatever reason functions leading off really well and they don't want to mess with it yeah what he uh he has Acuna has the uh what was that I was thinking to come uh, you made me forget um he has that uh, – he comes up there with that first pitch. Oh, he's anti-Prado. We were talking about this last week, how Prado never swung at the first pitch. A year in, year out, he was always first, second in the league and not in lowest percentage swinging at first pitch. What yeah. was yours? I remember you were – Yeah, I might. I, I had a little bit of like a, a – I was a schizophrenic of a career with that stuff. Yeah. My, 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 you changed my it. I, I, when I was trusting myself early, I knew I needed to work into an at bat. I was uh-huh. better. I was better in pitch four or five or six than I would be one or two. And I learned real quick. I really needed to to be patient and and see a pitch and get the timing and everything going with my at bat. Yeah. I'll be honest. Um, not blaming anybody other than myself, but Bobby made a few comments here and there about being too patient. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and he's, to, you know, to us, he made those. <laughs> and so I, I started feeling every once in a while, like, okay, maybe I do need to start being ready and, and, and being ready to hit. Yeah. Cause I, you know, like if I was going to strike out looking, it's because I was not 
swinging at a pitch that wasn't, wasn't mine, you know, and, and I could take it. I would be okay with it, you know, in my own head. But when I started to feel like there was some, you know, hey, like you, you got to get a more aggressive, you got to start doing, you know, I let it get to me a little bit. So I, yeah. I definitely had a moment there where I was, I think I was on the right track early. I think I deviated and then I got back to it. And then the game got like, oh, said you get older and things change. You start having as a hitter. Uh, I couldn't just react on 95 anymore and, and, and expect to drive it. Now I'm having to really almost cheat. Yes. And cheat. No, like, okay, I'm getting a heater heater and I'm, and I'm timing it. And yeah. you know what, at the end of my career, I, I don't know that I ever went to the plate more often, more confident as when I was older, just from that aspect of being able to understand like what the guy was trying to do, what uh-huh. he had, what, what my limitations were. So even though, you know, I didn't have the, the, the physical reaction of a 25 year old, like that's why I think I had success pinch hitting at the end of my career, obviously. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you come in like, and you know what you're doing, but like Sandoval. Um, yeah. It's a, it's a, such a different, if you, it's such a cliche, but you know, literally if you, if you could go back in time and be that smart when you yeah. had the physical yeah, you hit 340. You'd be, you'd be, be Chipper Jones. Well, that's what these guys. That's what these guys that are the young young stars are, right. are doing now. They're right. well trained and well taught and well coached, and they know they're willing to listen. Like I was stubborn, you know. You know, I know what works for me. You know, so I mean, yeah. That that's the difference between guys that are parental all stars and guys not like me that I had a career. It was my career, but it wasn't like an all star career. Right. That's just the difference. If we're being real, so. Hey. But that's the difference in some guys like you, and but like Sandoval was an all star. But yeah. how he keeps playing when physically you look at Sandoval and you go, "There's no reason that guy should be able to play Major League Baseball at this level," but he's yeah. so smart and he knows pitchers and he prepares so much, yeah. and he's still got plenty of bat speed. Yeah, I don't know. I, that's a hard one for me to, you know, because my career maybe ended a little a year or two earlier than it should have. I think just because the way that the the front offices started valuing or devaluing older guys. Right. Yeah. Um, right. I feel like a lot of guys could are they're way more valuable than I think is being let on. I think I personally was more valuable at the end of my career doing what I was doing than what I was told I was. Yeah. Um, and that was just a movement that we've seen go younger and I'll I'll just now that it's been what five years. There's a statute of limitations on opinions. I think so. Like, I, <laughs> I could have been back. That? I could have been back with the Braves a fourth year. There was a lot of talks in the off season before yeah. I retired, and that was one. Of, that was like one of those situations where I was like, I'm coming back to Atlanta, or I'm I'm done. And yeah. so I had a lot of talks with Copy, and we were good to go for a while. And then all of a sudden, it was, you know, we're going to stick with Chase Darnold. And I remember as soon as I got that feeling, <laughs> wow. I was like, Copy, like. You're, t- you're basically telling me that Chase Darno is a better player than me. And I can't disagree with you more. Like that's, yeah. ri- that's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. But Chase could play short. They could throw him in center if they needed to. So from that, like I understood. And I mean, he's a freak athlete, but as a baseball player, right. Come on. Yeah. And this was coming off of a year. I, I just tied for the lead, the lead in pinch hit homers and had a lot of big hits with, you know, at the end of the year. Anyway, that's what I felt like ended my career with that mentality and so when I see Sandoval, and I, I'm not surprised. The dude raped, right, yeah, raped right. his whole life. Yeah. Now he's made a, a conscious effort to like say, like I know my role, yeah, and this is how I prepare for that role. It's a different preparation. And what yeah. you're saying, the, the only reason Sandoval's had this opportunity is the Braves cut payroll, 
and he was cheap and they yeah. invited a bunch of guys to spring training yeah. and he was on a, he was a non-roster invitee. They had no intentions of carrying so, him and, no, he, so, and he had 400 yeah. in spring training and guys that they brought in a couple on major league contracts for like a million looked yeah. like crap in spring training and he beat them yeah. out. Yeah. Younger guys, younger yeah. guys. So they kept yeah. him not thinking he was going to hit any home runs. So this right. kind of a, it's kind of an accident so, in some way, what you're talking about. Yeah. Well, you could but, have done that. You could have okay. done that. No. So that was an option. I had, I had several minor league, uh, major league invite, minor league deal mm-hmm. that I wasn't willing to accept. And that's my point. Like the value, right. the, the, them not valuing to say that this guy's worth a, a guaranteed spot. I think it's crap. Uh, you know, I think, I think it's obvious. And then when you see those things happen, which they happen more often than not, yep. you're like, you're telling yeah, me that's you that guy a million bucks to be on your bench and provide what he provides. And you're yep. going to go with a cheap option and rotate, you know, a bench spot. And none of, none of these guys are playing in the minor leagues for longer than a couple of years anymore. Like, yeah, that's where I think some of these guys and scouts are saying the game is not good. It's not in good shape right now. Yep. When they're getting these guys with back in the day, it was 1500, 2000 plate appearances. I don't know. Oh, what the, the innings they'd like to see guys get innings in the minor leagues before they got up. Typically there's a number in their head for, for uh, plate appearances. It's like 1500 or 2000. Yeah. That ain't happen anymore. No, now they guys just want to see the big learning. And that as a, as a clubhouse in the locker room, that's a nightmare because yeah. I'm telling you right now, you're not learning how to be a teammate and how, how the things work in the minor leagues. So now you get to the big leagues and they yep. got their feet kicked up in the clubhouse. They're on their phones during the game. You know, they're not even acting like professionals. So it's, it's sad in that way that like that, that so many baseball guys are kind right. of being shown the door yep. and yeah. kudos to Sandoval and guys that do say, you know what, again, I don't need the money. I just want to play ball. You know, um, Adam Jones, he's out there in Japan. You know, Horacio Ramirez, he's still pitching. Peter yeah. Moylan. Peter Moylan's still basically staying hot because they want to play international. So, I mean, awesome. Yeah. That's that's awesome thing, and that's that's a great thing. I do think some of these guys deserve and, the and, guarantee, though. And Sandoval has been so critical in that clubhouse, too. I mean, they lost yeah. leaders like Marcakis, man. Three-time World Series champion. Yeah. You think he doesn't and, know how to, how to win games? And he could – just as easily have been in the situation you're talking about, though, if he wasn't willing to accept a minor league deal from the Braves, go to spring training and rake hit 400 and basically make it impossible not to keep him. But it's almost by accident that he's on this team. I mean, he could easily be out of the game right now this year or playing in the minors somewhere trying to earn a spot with the team. And instead, he's the best pinch hitter in baseball this year so far. So Love it. I love it for him. Yeah. Yeah, I always always talk about – you know, because that's another thing when you're talking about the, the just the things you learn over years and years. I always talk about how, you know, a veteran player can just have one thing they say to you that clicks or or they can break something down for you in a different way. You know, like even for me, I, I was telling Dave a few episodes back that Rick Ankiel gave me a tip on my curveball or on my slider, something that he used on his curveball. But I rode that for like six months one year. I rode it from like spring training all the way until August. And I was hot with this one thing that Rick said to me about shortening up my arm action on my on my slider. And I, I think that's one thing that, you know, kind of gets out of the game when you don't have guys that have been around and been through it and learn how to get out of those ruts. It's impossible to value. But who was it? Tomlin was was helping a guy a lot last year. Mentor. Uh, me, yeah, mentor. Changed he his helped career. Him. Yeah. 
I, I think it's a shame that that a guy, you know, late in his career, that that's not valued what young guys can pick up from older dudes. But it isn't. I mean, you know, you just you wind up just taking the guy that's faster and more athletic and sending you home, you know. And, and Hamels with Freed last year was a huge yeah. part in Freed's turnaround. Yeah. But mental that, credits Tomlin for saving his career, man. Well, and and then Basically. not to mention, you know, we're not even keeping these guys in the in the mix as as field staff. Now we've got guys that you know that don't. I've heard I've heard from numerous people that there's a lot of organizations that have pitching machine BP because the coaches aren't baseball guys. They can't throw BP. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've so, seen that. You know, I've seen just having that. having that having that that in, that game life experience, like O said, like invaluable, man. I'll, I'll tell you right now, I wasn't ever my when I left the um, 2014 Yankees. Boston, Baltimore, that was pretty much when my career went from starter to bench guy. And so the next year I was a minor league guy and came back with the Braves and made the team. And that that team had Johnny Gomes. And Gomes had been at least a platoon guy his whole career. So he might have everyday type at bats as a platoon guy, but he was also a bench guy. So he said the greatest thing ever for me that I didn't even didn't even cross my mind on how to prepare for being a bench guy. He's like when you know that your spot or a spot for you is coming up, you need a good sweat. He's like, you go run. Cause I, I would just do the, t- the standard, like two jogs, stretch, swing. And, and that was it. But I wouldn't hot. Need a lather. So I took, I took that and started like my sprints got harder or I jump on a bike and pedal a little faster. And I would, I would get a sweat changed everything for yeah. me. Just something like that. Yeah. That's what I was talking about. And it's that guy that's, his career was based on that, handing it down, and and I handed it down to to people in the Mets. Brandon Nimmo was was one of those guys. Those things you're just not going to get that from a guy that didn't play. Yeah. Anyway, sound like you, the old grumpy guy now yelling at clouds, but you know, no, I just, there's a lot of value in knowing what it feels like. You know, knowing what it's like to to have gone through it. You know, I I don't. I don't hate analytics or any, you know, I think there's a lot of value in a lot of the other stuff you see too. Every time you see a line drive up the middle and there's a dude just standing on second base, catching it, like you can't, you can't argue the value in a lot of this stuff, but I I do think it's a shame that there's so many coaches and good baseball people just being shown the door and little stuff like that's not going to get passed down. Guys, let's take a quick break and then we'll finish up the show. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash 
or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. There's a couple of organizations. I know the Astros, uh, the Braves bullpen coach now, who they got, who they hired away from the Astros back in December when they got rid of their 59-year-old bullpen coach, because this guy's really heavily in the analytics and has the whole thing is able to, the, the, the theory being that he could take the analytics and apply them better uh, to the pitching staff because you've got kind of a traditional pitching coach in Granite. Um, but the Astros, he was one of the first, he was one of the coaches the Astros hired away from being a, a college coach, analytics guy who didn't play, you know, at didn't come close to playing even high minors, much less major league ball and really has background more in analytics. And and some teams are, are hiring coaches like in their thirties who never got up uh, even close to playing in the big leagues. Most of them, some of them didn't even play minor league ball, just stopped in college. In fact, they're both, he didn't even play minor league ball. He's, he played at a small college and was a, a middle and reliever and he's the bullpen coach now, you know, but he's heavily into analytics, but that's just, that's just you know, kind of the direction that some organizations are going. They're hiring you know, young, this, young guys. What this, what it reminds me of is when I got to the Diamondbacks, when I left the Braves the first time, it was, uh, you know, the Braves had a guy, you might know his name. Uh, is it Llewellyn, who was like the, the yeah. like a sports psychologist kind of a guy? Yeah, he yeah. was around, but not much, but he was around and I never knew that like I could go talk to him if I needed to or wanted to, but the Diamondbacks had that guy. And he was very much around and very much like, this is what he does. Talk to him like you should. And it became, that's become more popular, right? Performance so, coach. Performance, uh, sports psych. Yeah. Anyway. Those guys had nothing for me. <laughs> yeah. So this is what's great. So this guy's from like Britain or something. He works with a lot of golfers. Yeah. And he's always talking. He's got, he's got the answers for everything. You know, like, why are you pissed? You know, like mm-hmm. you shouldn't be dragging that stuff around. All of it's true, but it's like, okay, man. He's working with golfers. So these guys on this Diamondbacks team, like Chris Snyder and some other, Dan Heron, I think, they took him golfing. They said within like two holes, he hit a bad shot and that club is flying. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, yeah. Tell me more about how how I should go and stand up on the mound and and not get pissed when I walk the third guy in a row or make an error and then strike out. Tell me more about that when you've never done it in your life. Well, that's the thing about the bullpen, man, is like the the – bullpen is is for me the best coaches are, are guys that help you handle that pressure when it's the fifth inning and you know you're going to be in the sixth or seventh you're going to be facing that guy the guys that still know how to keep it loose and 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 you know hit hammer home that message that it's the same game if it's bases loaded or nobody on you know i mean there's just so much value in having been through it and knowing how to handle that pressure and the things you can pass on to guys so you don't uh, think the analytics guy who played small college ball and uh, started coaching? Well, there's a place for that guy. There, there is. There is. I don't think Absolutely. he knows what – he doesn't know what if, what's really going through your head and how to control that. Yeah. You need yeah. both those what, guys. You need, you need people that know have how to – like, or something. Yeah. you got to manage your emotions. you got to manage yourself, and you got to know how to take pressure off yourself 
before you go out there. You know, it's it's great if you tell me what pitch to throw. You know, the best pitch to throw here is a fastball down and away, but how do I make it when I can't feel the ball in my hand? You and know, I how thought, do I calm myself down? That type of stuff. And I think yeah. the Braves have done a real good job having a coaching staff that is old school guys who are all willing to embrace the analytics and be They've the bridge you're talking about. Like yeah. Ron Washington giving you the analytics on why you should position yeah. here is a lot better than the analytics guy coming from the room and go, but, showing you the printouts that. going, this is why you should be here. And, and he never played the game. Yeah. Uh, and for people listening, a lot of teams have that. A lot of teams, like Sam yeah. Fulton, the GM of the Phillies, that was his job with the Phillies before he he got promoted. So teams have the the, the bridge, the guy that played that can, uh, you know. So there there's there's some people that are actively trying to to manage yeah. that. They're, you know, they'll they'll figure it out eventually. The the old school guys will be you know slide back into roles that you know are customary and and there will be a place for both i'm sure but you know it's uh whatever that quote is about being the man in the arena like to me that's yeah. one of those like i don't want to hear it if you haven't stood there and done it you know and and even even from baseball sometimes the best coaches necess- didn't necessarily you know snit didn't play in the big leagues but his right. strength isn't the experience of standing in the box or catching Absolutely. his strength is Keeping it fun, keeping it light, having a, a good, steady, calm personality. Understanding. Uh, under, you know, he knows the game's hard. Listener, a, a communicator. You know, they have their strengths there that some of the best coaches I've had did not have. I had a, te- a coaching staff in Arizona that had like five dudes that won MVPs, all-star games, and World Series. You know, a couple of them great. A, a couple of them I didn't get much from. Um, you know, so sometimes the best players don't make the best coaches. So right. I'm not going to sit there. And I don't want that to be what people hear, but you know, you have to have, you have to have something like that. And, and, and if, if you, if you're not one of the best players, cause a lot of the best managers have been pretty bad or not bad players, but net players that never made it past like double a triple a, you know, yeah. or, and a lot of the greatest players, there's very few of them have made great managers. There's not many Frank Robinson's and, you know, Lou Pinellas, who was, who was real good. There's a lot more players that were mediocre, like the Snickers or whatever. Most of them got to the big leagues or whatever. But Snickers, what we've talked about, this Snickers' uh, biggest strength is he has said numerous times, he says it all the time, he understands how hard this game is to play because yeah. he wasn't yeah. very good himself. So he fully appreciates how hard it is to play. Yeah. And he doesn't try, like you said, he's a manager and he surrounds himself with guys who were good players and know how to teach the game. And he's kind of the more the communicator but he surrounds himself and delegates those duties. Because if sure. he tried to be a micromanager, he wouldn't be nearly as effective a manager as he is. He doesn't try to be something he's not. You yeah. know? And it doesn't mean he can't look out there and see from a right. scouting perspective. Right. Or just, he's seen so much baseball. It's like Bobby. Yeah. Bobby, had, Bobby basically played a year and a half in the big leagues. Right. You know, but, man, he, he grew up in an organization with some players, and he's seen a thing or two. Right. After a while, you know, you just got to say, man, like what, what has he not seen? Right. Right. And that's a lot of those show Walter, you know, some of the, some of the best managers I played for Bobby and show Walter, you know, Hinch had a decent backup career. Joe Girardi, backup catcher also. Yeah. A lot of backup catchers and a lot of catchers. make great catchers are good ones. We've talked about this. It's kind of like, that's the only position where you actually see, literally see the entire game unfold because it's in front of you. And, I mean, they communicate with the bullpen right. their whole life. They're Pitchers, trying. Yeah. I mean, a catcher, a good catcher will tell you. And Bobby, I mean, uh, David and Rossi and um, and BMAC both have said it a thousand times. 
their job first and foremost is to make the pitchers look good. Right. You know, yeah. that's, that is it. You know, and Brian was a silver slugger and raked, but I promise you he lived and died by what he did as a game caller and, and helping the pitchers and whatnot. And if it didn't go well, he, he put it on himself. Yeah. So, you know, I that, tell Dave that all the time, like, it, you know, we'd be having a few beers after the game or something and BMAC could have been three for four. Rossi had a good game hidden and these guys would be pissed off that they called a you know, the wrong pitch on the changeup or something in a seven nothing game and Christian Martinez wound up giving up a run. You know, they'd be yeah. going back and forth over that pitch they called and th- that would ruin their day. Yeah. You know, I mean I was I was always shocked by that. I'm like, man, you hit you hit two homers today and you're you're worried about one pitch you called in the sixth inning that didn't have any effect on the game. Yeah. It's it's really amazing. You see how many uh if you go back through the list of great managers, how many of them were catchers? I mean I mean, I, I covered a couple of years, Jim Leland, you know, was a, was a, was a mediocre catcher in the minor leagues and just made a great manager. But I mean, there's, there's so many of them. If you look, you're like, well, he was a catcher too. Yeah. So So something too, the communication, communication, knowing the whole game, understanding the whole game. And And then a lot of great players, they can't, they can't, a lot of great players like Ted Williams, that was a crappy manager very briefly. Because they can't really relate to an average player, you know? They could just do things other people yeah. couldn't. And they're like, well, why don't you just get your foot down earlier? That's what <laughs> yeah. I did. You know, oh, yeah. oh, I had I had Don Baylor in Arizona. And I'm like, Chipper, you know, loved Don Baylor. And right. I'm like, perfect. This is going to be awesome. You know, finally, this guy's going to be great. <laughs> Chipper loved him. Well, Baylor, it was so simple for him. Yeah. And he kept yeah. telling me is. It's just this, baby. Like you got your dumb this, this. And I'm like, first of all, you're a right-handed hitter. I'm a left-handed hitter. And you're telling it's I could not relate to the guy whatsoever. But the guy I have the year before, and his name is Jack Howell. He was a pinch hit bench guy for I don't know, maybe, maybe he got like close to 10 years. But he's just a goofball who yeah. just made it like fun and didn't put any pressure on us. And he was always there for the you know, at the right time in the batting cage. You needed him, you needed the field, he had it ready, and he just make you feel really less crappy about a bad stretch and that was that's everything perfect for me (laughs) and some guys just click with uh, with some guys and there's really not much of an explanation for it either i mean Uh, like austin riley the Braves have four hitting coaches right now when you include chipper now as a part-time he's here for home games and all that they have four hitting coaches now because they had magal they promoted magalines last year everybody swears by magalines from triple a came up um Seitz has been has coached some great hitters in his time. Kansas City, Toronto, here. Seitz was a hell of a hitter himself. The Yankees was a hell of a hitter himself through his career. Um, and then Austin Riley during this stretch last he's he, he had a he, bit of a rough patch in this uh, for the first time in a while during this road trip. Four games hitless. So who does he turn to? The guy that got his swing right when he was in the minor leagues when he first got promoted up here, Mike Brumley. He just clicks with Mike Brumley who's the minor league hitting coordinator. So they got four hitting coaches here, but he texts back and forth with Mike Brumley, who saw something in his swing, his elbow. He was talking about his elbow and he wasn't getting, he was getting, he was either getting hot, too high. It was coming around the ball or it's too low, but he's getting, but, it, but Brumley texted him this. He worked on it in the cage yesterday. He goes yeah. out and has three hits, a hit by pitch, a walk, a home run, three RBIs. Yeah. Just after making an adjustment with the guy who's not even with the team, he's with the, he's the minor league hitting coordinator. So sometimes there's really not excellent. Some guys click better yeah. with some guys like Baylor yeah, with yeah. Chipper. Baylor said, yeah. Chipper said Baylor turned his career around. Yeah, I know. It's, that's, that's, it's yeah. hilarious. It's just the way it goes, but I don't know that, but you know, as, as far as like, you know, we were talking about just the, the strength of the experience and the guys, I mean, 
my, I joked about my transaction history being what it is. And that, that could be what, you know, if anybody remembers the name Kelly, they're going to remember some stupid trade, you know, transaction, (laughs) whatever being, being remembered for something is great. So, but I got to play for a lot of great organizations. I I mean, I I was, I made a list like two years ago of all the the guys I played with at each position. And it's just hall of famers, managers, hall of famers, pitchers. And I mean, I, I was enough of a, teammate to have some kind of little relationship with most of these people. And that's, that's in here. Like, you know, I can carry that around and there's guys like that that are way put my list to shame. Yeah. And those guys need to be in the game. They need to be, that's where you learn it. You know, somebody says, well, you know, Chipper, we listened to a broadcast and Chipper said this about your hands with hitting. Well, that's not, that's not, I guarantee you, that's not Chipper saying that. That's right. Chipper getting it from yeah. Billy Cargill. Right. Yeah. Don Baylor. And he got it from somebody. Yeah. He got it. This is passed down. And, and that's, yeah. It's, I, I often like have to tell people like where I, like, even dads of kids, I'm like, you know, so and so told me. And then, then their ears perk up. Like, yeah. Right, right. Yeah. You know, I have to drop the biggest name possible to get Yeah. yeah. To get no. the reaction, but it's like, no, man, like this is what it is to have had a career and a life in this game. That's why being somebody that's played this long and having guys in, on your bench or in your in your locker room that have, have been around that long matters. And D-Row has done a great job of exploiting just what you're talking about, using it in the right way yeah. on his show on Central. Because right. he'll yeah. talk about some, some pointer – and he doesn't just say it. He says, when I talk to Chipper, when I talk to the guys he played with in Texas, he cites every guy that told him this, and it makes it, okay, you listen. You listen a little more closely than if he was just making this up himself or some observation he had. Yeah. I just videoed Jim Tomei giving a, a, a tutorial on keeping the hands above the baseball. He's great. I recorded he? it. And, I, and, and, and I've, you know, I got three boys, and I'm dad. I'm not I'm not yeah. a player. I'm dad. So then I'm like, here, watch this. And it was like, I, I, I think I may have said everything he said word for word with the exact same demonstration. Right. And my kids are like, oh, yeah. You know, yeah. they're like, it, it 600 home from, runs. It matters coming from him. The context of like, yeah. where did you get it? Where did it come from? And how long it's been passed around? Like those things are invaluable. So to, to not have somebody and people in your organization around, like it's baffling. I think, and I do think it's coming back around, but it's, it's been crazy, and then you're starting to see, especially the hitting has been. I mean, I'm sure the pitching too. Like these guys aren't dotting up; they're not, they're not dialing back to to make you know extend their their games. They're throwing as hard as they can for as long as they can, and then they're out. Yeah, yeah. And you get these hitters. Like I was watching a game. I don't even know who the hitter was, but you know, we get into any highlight where they show a pitcher striking a guy out. Let's you know, I'm seeing two strike and run slows. Yeah. No cut down, no mm-hmm. choke. And I'm not like this huge spread out and choke up guy. I would never teach that or tell anyone. But at the same time, like. Game's on the line, you know, shorten up and let's make contact a, here. And you have to work on it. You have to have situational BP. And there's got to be that moment where your brain puts yourself in that like position. Like, mm-hmm. you know, how anyway. It's what do you just, think about the shift? Like the guys, because oh, me and Dave talk about this a lot and it's like the, you know, the whole go the other way thing. And the two arguments is, you know, one hitters or it, one, one side will say, you know, hitters are stupid. They need to shorten up and go the way like it's easy. And the hitters will say, well, I'm facing a hundred with a 95 mile an hour slider. You know, it's, it's not easy to hit. So as a hitter, what do you? Yeah. You know, like 
I feel like as a hitter, again, being able to have the correct middle approach and then being able to like, you know, anytime you start trying to manipulate anything, you might, you're going to put yourself in a tough spot. And so I do think you need to stay true to what you can do, but you, what you can do needs to be taught and worked on and it needs to be, you know, be something that can, that can be counter to the shifts. So by staying more middle, not necessarily like zapping your power and trying to massage things the other way now you're like missing pitches you should crush because yeah. you're doing this but mm-hmm. i was watching I, I had a dig me moment of all my like 2005 2007 highlights and i hadn't pulled those discs out in forever and i, I had my son watching them and we we're just sitting there and i mean it was like roll over ground ball down the line for a double roll over four <laughs> hole no shifting and i'm just boom hit 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 rolling <laughs> over and i'm like dang Five years later, yeah. every one of those is an out. <laughs> that's yeah, what, that's kind that. of what we were talking about. You know, it's like you yeah. see all the no hitters and all this stuff. Like, I think it's it's definitely harder to hit now with those defenses. But, yeah. I mean, I'm guessing, like, do you think guys could adjust or is it just – like yeah. Daniel Murphy said it however many years ago. He's like, if I hit a single, I'm going to clog the bases up. If I right. try to hit my doubles and homers, you yeah. know, I'm going to put up my numbers. But I just wonder what you think about that mindset. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. No, I, that's, I think what Murph and what Kevin Long were on to was they're shifting you. And so you gotta, we got to do something a little different. And that's where Murph, the funny thing is, is that was the beginning of the launch angle. And some might point to like them. Murph's not that. launching. Murph, actually, if you ask him, the only thing he did, he stopped trying to massage the ball the other way. He started trying to drive it. But then we're taught from a young age in our generation – inside on top of the ball. So pick a spot up on top of the ball inside and stay through it. And he said, I'm not looking at the top inside anymore. I'm looking at the bottom of the baseball and it's the same swing. So now he's taking the same swing at the bottom of the ball and he's hitting in the air in the air. And so he's just trying to drive it. Same approach, middle of the field, gap to gap. But instead of staying on top inside of the baseball, he's staying on the bottom of the baseball. All of a sudden, and people don't understand Murph. If you watch him in the cage, more he has as much pop. It's like Ichiro. Ichiro in the cage. Yes. Oh, Ichiro. Yeah, he, he could win the home run derby know. if he felt like it. So it didn't surprise me one bit when Murph starts hitting all these tanks because I had seen him in the cage and the ball is exploding off his bat more than guys like David Wright and you know even more so than some of those guys. And you're like, you should have been doing this your whole life, but he didn't. Yeah, I faced him in 09 and 10, and he was just slapping balls all over the place. And then five years later, he decided to start trying to hit it in the air, and he was dropping tanks. Well, Sites was talking about, you know, the difference, uh, you know, and why the, the three outcomes now and how there's so much emphasis on launch angle and all that. And he said, guys aren't penalized for striking out. Guys are yeah. rewarded for slug, and that's all they're rewarded for, basically. And yeah. until that changes, why are hitters going to change? I mean, you're not yeah. penalized for striking out 150 times, and you're rewarded for hitting 30 bombs and for little else or hitting high slugging percentage. You're not you're not penalized for hitting 230. Carlos you know? Pena was the first guy I remember saying, screw it, and just being willing to hit 210 with 35, 40 homers. Yeah, yeah. We yeah. laughed at Dave Kingman when I was a kid. Everybody thought Dave Kingman was some kind yeah. of a freak. And he's basically the game right now. Right now, yeah. this snapshot in time, he is so many sluggers. He is not much more extreme than a whole lot of sluggers out there right now. But at the time, when I was a kid, he was an absolute freak. What he did was like, you'd never te- you'd never want a team full of those guys. 
But he was fine to hit 40 home runs, you know, and, and strike out 150. He didn't even strike out 150, 200 times. You ask, yeah. But you ask any pitcher, you know, for me, the hardest at bats were guys like Martin Prado. Yeah. That you, you could make your pitch and they'll still hit a single. When you when you face a lineup full of guys just trying to hit home runs or trying to do damage, mm-hmm. I know that if I make my pitch, it's going to be a ground ball to shortstop. Yeah. And then it just comes down to execution. Because the guys that adapt or do a guy like Prado that would, you know, if I threw him a slider away, he's going the other way. If I try to pound him in, he might pull it. Uh, those for me were always the toughest at bats. And I, I feel like just that, you know, from a pitching standpoint, nobody values singles. But as a pitcher, you give up a single and it's like, maybe I don't have it today. And now there's a hole on the right side. You know how it affects the next couple hitters? Yeah. I just don't feel like it's valued. It's crazy. Yeah, the, I mean, the teams that win are still the teams that – and this was the goal as a hitter. The, your, your goal every year to be ready to do damage but be cautious enough to take, 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 take the pitches you need to take. And that's the Dodgers. That was the Astros. That's been the Red Sox. You know, they're three and two every every hitter, every hitter in the lineup. Oh, three the Dodgers two. are three and tough. two. Walk, 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 homer, yep. walk, base yep. hit, walk. Yep. You know, two strikes, it's 0 oh and two. The next thing you know, it's three and two. Like those are always the teams that win. And yeah. and yet we don't see we don't see that emphasized as as a and, and not, it's not easy. It's not an easy thing to be that. But that's kind of goes back to what I was saying about my just my own career. I had a lot of uh, I had a lot of at, more at bats in the beginning of my career that got to three and two than I did middle to later, and 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 just being in that mindset of man, I might like Teixeira. Teixeira never swung three and zero. Forty home run hitter. I remember being in the dugout and Bobby being like, if this guy would just swing three and zero, he'd hit ten more home runs a year. And it's like, but what now does that everybody do? Everybody swings three and zero. What does that do to his? If he does do that, what does that do? what's the, the chain of, of reaction of that? You know, what might it create? Might, would it, would it create 10 more homers, but it might. Yeah. You get a three Oh pop up as a pitcher. 25 fewer walks. Gift. He had a huge walk. He had a huge OBP. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, it's Dave it's, Kingman. Uh, I'm looking at Dave Kingman, by the way, cause he was considered the, you know, Adam Dunn of his dime, like the, the first, the forerunner of that. The dude uh, never struck out 160 times in his career, and he led the league in strikeouts like three out of four years, 131, 105, 156. This was like 1979 to 82. Last eight years of his career from 79 to 86, averaged 30 homers, and at a time when 30 homers was like 45 today. Yeah. Averaged, averaged 106 strikeouts, and he was considered like a whiff king. That's funny, isn't it? <laughs> isn't that funny? That's funny. Game's just totally changed, man. I know. Uh, so, hey, I was going to ask you real quick before we get running out of time here. Um, Austin Riley, start of the year, he hit in his first 15 games, hit 182 with a 456 OPS. And we were playing the Yankees up in New York. And I remember him get Bo asked uh, Snit, how long can you stick with Austin Riley? He's one of those guys you just got to be patient with, you know? And Snit was like, I really don't have a choice to be patient with. You got to be patient with these young guys. It's not like we have a, a, you know, there's an option. You have to be. And then he caught fire right then. That's when he caught fire. But it reminded me of the year that, you know, that you had when, when, when you first came up, it was, you know, you went oh for whatever. And, and, and Bobby was just stubborn as hell and said, I'm staying with him. And then you caught fire, but Austin Riley, even with his oh for 17 that he just went through before yesterday, his last 47 games, this guy has hit, his last 47 games, he's hit 329, 
10 doubles, 12 homers, 412 OBP, 506 slugging, 1,017 OPS. Yep. Last 47 games. Yep. In that same span since April 18th, Acuna has hit 224, 11 homers, 827 OPS in 44 games. Tells you how hot he was early. Freddie Freeman has hit 244, 810 OPS, 11 homers in 47 games. Ozzy yep. Albies, 284, 882 OPS, 16 doubles, four triples, seven homers in 47 games. So, I mean, all this guys under 900, 827, 810, 882 OPS. Riley's yeah. over 1,000. Just, I mean, it's like. Something just, quick. He's carried the offense. I mean, Acuna was so hot early that he still got huge numbers. He's still, uh, you know, MVP caliber numbers. But, I mean, the guy that's carried the offense the last 45 games is Riley. Here's another way the game's changed, and it's, it blows my mind when I see those OPS numbers. Is our, I, Same thing. Tashera being on the team, we had him in spring training the next year in 08. And he and just OPS came up, and that was the first time I think I even really ever had a conversation about OPS. And he said, "Yeah, he said anything over like eight eight hundred is good. He said anything over nine hundred is all star. Anything up over nine fifty is like Hall of Fame. He didn't uh-huh. even mention a thousand. Right, so, right, right. <laughs> and then so Murph, you look at Daniel Murphy, and he went through that 2015 that monster stretch in the playoffs, and he got hot there at the end, but up until." Maybe the, when he went to Washington. I don't even think because that was his free agent. Yeah, so the next year, he had never had a month that he had an eight hundred above 800 OPS. Wow. Never one month in his whole career. That's amazing. At that point, was seven years deep. Never had one month of having an OPS over. And that's where it's like, okay, I get now a little bit of the mentality of what these guys are doing because you're looking at you know, how much they do get on base. So they still are drawing some walks. They are mm-hmm. striking out. And then they're they're driving the ball, and so is it really? Is it really worse? I think that the fact that when you need to shorten up and you really need to get move a runner ninety feet, we're just not seeing it. Right, it's, it's not hard, valued. It's exactly, absolutely. That's where as far as the OPS goes. It's it's crazy how many guys are up. Back in the day, it was Manny Ramirez, Alex Rodriguez, and then mm-hmm. one other dude would have a thousand OPS. Right, that's it. You're right. That was it. You know, and now it's and nine hundred was good. Nine, you know, eight hundred was good. If you had an yep. OPS over eight hundred, I, mean, I look at like my best season ever was my OPS was not nine hundred. It was a, it was a good eight hundred, eight fifty, eight. I don't know what it was, but right. it wasn't nine hundred. And now like, eight hundred, you're like, like that year. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, dude, like these guys put me to shame now. Like, I mean, that's that's just tells you like the, how it's changed. Yeah, these guys, and- these guys are really good. It's just. Just please, for the life, like when you need to do it, just let's try not to strike out one time. The get them over and get them in has just died, man. It's just like yeah. you might. The only time you even hear it is during batting practice. Get them over, get them in, but they don't yeah, do it during the game. They're still doing it, <laughs> but they don't do it during the game though. They just try, they do it during batting practice. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's um, the main thing I see that Kelly was talking about. It's just those those big at bats when you need it, and then you yep. see a guy. Yeah, strike out. You know, run around yep. second, full swing. How, 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 does it drive you crazy when a team gets one or two guys? When a guy get when a team gets two guys on with none out in an inning, I see you. this all the time. I mean, uh, sorry, but the Braves do it a lot. Get two guys on, none out, and nobody scores. You yeah. get a strikeout, pop up, roll over. I mean, it's like. It's yeah, it's man. just a different game than it used to be, and they're a good, they're a good team, you know. Right, Brown, they're not yeah. playing great, but they're still good. <laughs> but they're not even a bad team, and they're doing that. 
Yeah. And now, now coaching my kids, it's what's funny from a coaching perspective, managing coaching is like those situations. You're trying to like, tell them. It's so and- important. And as a player, sometimes it's just like, you know, it's, it's hard when you're, when you're the hitter, there's so many factors of what you're trying to accomplish. Like you're trying to stay within your little, your, yourself to just even compete in this at bat. So to go up there and, and act like it's so easy to yeah. Yeah, drop a bunt or, or right. you know, move a guy like you, you, it's like, you're trying, you're trying to stay within yourself and make that happen. And so, you know, as a, but as a coach, you're like, it's not that hard. Come on. Like, why, yeah. why can we not get that guy in from third infield back? That's you know? what I was asking you, you know, because the stuff's nasty. And, and it is hard. Size and chipper both said. It's really hard because the pitchers are pitching to the defense. Right. Yeah. Because like I heard Glavin say just the other day on the, on, the bro- on the Braves broadcast, he said for them, the defense played for the pitcher. So, you know, the scouting meetings before every series was – Here's who we got, you know, and then let's say it's Glavin and he's change up and, you know, outside corner. So now you got, you know, the defense, the outfield going this way, you know, the infield going this way and he stays out there, stays out there. And you're hoping for weak pull ground balls and you're hoping for flare pop up or whatever weak contact, you know, and so your defense is set up for him. Now, you know, that guy, he's 90 percent pull. So we're shifting him. Right. Pitch to that. Yeah. I wonder what they would do with Andrew Jones if they would do anything different to him because Andrew, you know, was was the ridiculous innate uh, ability to. I mean, he had three Hall of Famers pitching, granted, but I mean, there's video of Andrew taking that first step before the ball's hit. I mean, he yeah. uh, that's he, what he knew what the pitcher was doing, right? Yeah. And it the pitcher was not going to miss. His pitchers were not going to miss either. Oh yeah, no, Andrew was a, such a free. That guy needs to be in the Hall of Fame. I agree. And why is anybody wearing this guy's number for the Braves? It's driving me I, nuts. I agree with that too. <laughs> I don't yeah. really care, but like at the same time, I'm like, that's not right. It took them a while just to put him in their Hall of Fame. Yeah. But they I mean, didn't retire his jersey. The only yeah. jersey they've retired of a non-Hall of Famer is Murph. Yeah, Andrew deserves it. I, I agree. Ten ten straight gold gloves and four hundred and fifty home runs. I mean, come on. Yeah. You're gonna tell me his batting average wasn't high enough or whatever? Yeah. He's a Hall of Famer, man. He's the greatest center fielder I've ever seen. If you could say that, game 26 right there. years. I've covered the game 26 years. He's the greatest I've ever seen. Hands down. Yeah. Devon White at his peak was close defensively. Close. But he wasn't Andrew Jones. Yeah. At his peak. And Devon didn't do it for half as long as Andrew did at his peak. Uh, you know, Willie Mays, guys who saw Willie Mays. And Willie Mays told Andrew, you're the best I've ever seen. TP was standing there talking to AJ, to Andrew in San Francisco, and Willie Mays walked over and told him, said, son, kid, you're the best I've ever seen. Play center field. That should be enough. Come on. Right there. That's like, <laughs> just put him in the hall. We don't vote. Willie yeah. Mays said he's the vote. best he's ever seen. Andrew, unanimous, unanimous Hall of Famer, one vote. It's all Willie text. Mays. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> By the way, to your, what you were saying about uh, the Braves as far as pitching, you're right. I mean, the offense is still there, the raw numbers. Now, they they piled up some stats, and some, it's a little skewed because they piled up some stats and some big routes. But they're third in the NL in scoring right now behind only the Reds and the Dodgers, third in OPS behind those two teams, and they lead the NL in home runs with 95. But they're yeah. 11th in the league in ERA at 434, which you don't usually see from the Braves. They're ahead of only the Pirates, Reds, Rockies, and D-backs in yep. uh, ERA. And – They've allowed 78 homers, which is tied for fourth most in the NL, and they don't play in a hitter-friendly ballpark. It's a fair ballpark. 
They've issued 219 walks, six ties in the NL. And here's where it really gets ugly. The starters are ninth in the NL with a 4-1-0 ERA. The Braves relievers are 13th in the league with a 4-7-7 ERA. They're better than only the Rockies and the Reds. And we know those two teams have some disadvantages. Yeah. <laughs> so that's yeah. that's killing them. I mean, it's killing them. We've seen that. We saw the lack of bullpen depth. They got it, they've got some horses, but it's like three of them instead of six like they had last year. Yeah. Missing Soroka is not good either, but you know, you can't oh, do anything yeah. about injuries no sometimes. But that's no your doubt. that's your number one. It's the same thing as is having, okay, when is Freddie coming up in the batting order? Okay, every fifth day, when is Soroka going to pitch? Right. Things yeah. like that, game changers for your for your squad. I mean, it's – and it puts everybody in their place. Right. Yeah. That's what I always said about Chipper. Chipper's in the three-hole versus not playing. Now you, who's playing – now who's hitting third? Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, who's hitting and then who's hitting wherever he was hitting. You know, it's just a trickle down. So it's – it's a tough one, but uh, I don't know. They they're still good enough, and the division's still weak enough, and and you know they're yeah. all in that same. They should be they should be good, but they definitely have to have what all the good teams have is that that run. And yeah, that's yeah. Where, like said, that yet. A hundred games in, who makes the run for the last sixty? And that's yeah. you know, they have had three four game losing streak, but they haven't had put together a good winning streak yet. One of those win nine out of ten, seventeen out yeah. of twenty. They haven't done anything like that yet, close no. to that yet. And and it's hard when you're not getting a bunch of guys clicking at once, which they've seen, done a little better at that lately. And I think Chris Martin, if they can keep him upright and healthy, makes a huge addition to that bull. They're different with him in there. He's so good, but you just got to keep him healthy. You can't overwork that guy or he gets hurt. Yep. So. Yep. Anyway, well, man, listen, it's been great having you, dude. It's great hearing your uh, perspective on all this stuff. It's I, I can yep. never never tire of hearing your stories. It's yep. great to hear don't from get, the guys. Don't get tired so of these tan of lines either. I know you're going to miss these. <laughs> Those are beauties, man. Those are beauties. You kept all them. Right. Appreciate y'all, man. Yeah, thanks it. for coming on, Killer. Anytime. Good talking right. to y'all. Good luck to the kids and youth in East Cobb baseball. <laughs> yep. Raising Keep- raising the next wave of mediocre baseball players like, like their dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mediocre. All right. Thanks a lot to Kelly for uh, for joining us here, and, and I hope you guys stuck around for till the end. And give us a good thumbs up and all that. Seven fifty five is real. We'll be back again later in the week. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.